Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breakfast Theology. My name is Josiah Kane. And I'm Chuck Jones. We're here again at IHOP, and uh, this morning I had a, a simple 2 a breakfast, eggs, bacon, toast, and hash browns. And ketchup. And ketchup. Lots of ketchup. And I had a spicy plebano omelet. <clears throat> I'm a little stuffy this morning, so I'm having trouble talking. Were you was, hoping was, the spiciness would... Yeah, break some of that up. <laughs> so today we're uh, continuing our series uh, through Proverbs for the month of February, and today we're going to be going over Proverbs chapter 20. So why don't you go ahead and um, read some for us, Chuck. How much do you think we should read at a time? Oh, let's try the first eight verses. Sounds good. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. The wrath of a king is like the roaring lion. Whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. It is honorable for a man to stop striving, since any fool can start a quarrel. <laughs> A lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. A king who sits on the throne of judgment scatters all evil with his eyes. Hmm. Immediately, verse 7 sticks out to me. A righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. Now, uh, I'm not saying that my grandfather or my father were were without their own faults or sins, but there have been places where I've traveled around the United States and met people <clears throat> that I had never met before, but knew my father or my grandfather. And <clears throat> there is a already, they've already welcomed me, they're friendly, they're, they're already warm towards me because they have good experiences and they, they see... <coughs> And they've had good experiences with my father and my, or my grandfather or both. And so they automatically have this inclination towards me that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a preset. Yeah. You come from good stock. That's kind of the, yeah, the way of looking at it. But, it, I mean, it's true. Like, Proverbs plays out true here that if, if you walk in integrity... The, the, your sons after you are going to be blessed not only by connections but you'll probably be wise with your money you'll probably you know not leave them with a bunch of debt yeah, and yeah. things like that it is the example that they're going to have and be and be able to follow that's going to be a blessing to them as well mm -hmm. definitely I know my dad has said many times that uh, it was my grandfather who kind of 
change the path of our of our family because before him, his family was, or just to put it simply, kind of messed up, you know, and uh, they might have called themselves Christians, but uh, it was because of his dedication to faith that kind of changed a few generations of people, uh -huh. you know, and probably more to come. That was Rex. Yeah, Rex. Does your verse 6 have goodness or mercy in it? In verse 6, Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy man? Loyalty. So yours says... Goodness. Goodness. And my footnote says mercy. Interesting. Let me look up what that word is okay. in Hebrew and see if we can get some deeper understanding of it. So the, the word here in, in Proverbs 26 has its root in hesed, which is loving kindness, like a description of God. Yeah. Um, kind of this kindness and mercy and this, this favor. Interesting that the NASB translates it loyalty because most of the times it shows up, it's and the NASB is translated either loving kindness or mercy. But maybe there's just some deeper flavoring of the Hebrew that I'm just unfamiliar yeah, with. Yeah, in context. Either way you take it, it shows that what a man says and what a man really is. Not the same, not always the same thing. Yeah. I said it. I said it before that you know we have that ability that God doesn't. <laughs> the ability to lie. The, the ability to lie. The ability to lie and the ability to die. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever thought there was anything that you could do that God can't do? Well, now you know. Yeah. Lie and die. Thank you for that piece of wisdom. <laughs> it's interesting how we always kind of give these tidbits of warnings about alcohol throughout scripture. Uh -huh. And, you know, it's obvious, it's pretty obvious that uh, Jesus at times drank wine and um, even says that it's a good thing in some places in yeah. scripture, but kind of this very, always very cautious warning against partaking of it in a, in a bad way. In an excessive way. Excessive way, yeah. And whoever is intoxicated by it, whoever becomes a drunk, is they lose their wisdom. They, <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> they become unwise. And so that's just a good, a good thing to remember. Yeah. You know, it might be fun. Obviously, a majority of the world looks at it as a way of escape and fun. Escape, yeah. But it's bad. It's bad news that you have to escape? That's a good question. You're asking trick questions now. No, no, no. It was a statement. Oh. The sad part is that you have oh, to I escape. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. A lot of people are not happy with their life. Or they're no. sad or depressed or all kinds of other things. Yeah. What's your verse 5 say? A plan in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out. Could you 
enlighten me to what that's talking about? We'll see what you think. I'm going to tell you what I think. So when I kind of hear this, I think of uh, kind of like this desire for like a man might have something that he wants to do. And it's like a, a deep sense of something that he wants to do, but he doesn't do anything with it. You know, like it's like having a well of limitless water down there, but he just acknowledges that it's there. But a wise man actually does some work towards it. He draws out that water. Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds good. What do you think? Yeah, mine says counsel, and yours says understanding. Understanding, yeah, a man of understanding draws it out. So you're thinking with counsel, it might have something to do with seeking other, like... Uh, well, not necessarily. It could be something you get or something you give. Hmm. goes either way. Counsel. I've come for counsel. And I'm going to give you counsel. Mm-hmm. You say yep. the same word. So how do you understand verse 5? Let me finish my yawn. <laughs> counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. I don't think he's talking about an individual. It's just a general statement here. Counsel in the heart of humans is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. And I'd say that's the truth. I would say so. I know for sure that it's a wise thing. <laughs> yeah. I have to do some more study on that. Yeah, it's an interesting, just like the, it's an interesting verse, and just kind of the action of drawing it out makes me think of, like, being able to, I don't know, make a plan that actually works. Um, obviously, this word draw is, like, to pull something, but not, like, to, like, draw out a map or draw a picture, right. but kind of that idea of, uh, an understanding man or, or a man with counsel is able to, I don't know, give some life and direction to a plan mm -hmm. to, and I think ultimately what I think Solomon is hoping here is that the understanding man is using God's wisdom to develop plans and to go forth with things in life. You know, so like you, you want to accomplish something, but you should go about it in a godly way. And a man of understanding is able to see that direction. He's able to draw that path out. You know, he's able to go into the desires of his heart, but find the right way to do it. Yeah. Or I could be totally wrong, and Solomon's saying something I don't really get here. But there's, there's a, something important here that we're doing, which is saying we don't understand it, we're, you know, we're, so if you're listening to this, be encouraged yeah. that sometimes you just, we're both a couple of dummies. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just don't understand something and you have to go back and study it and take a look at it deeper to, to see what's going on.
Don't shy away from asking questions. No, no. Don't just cross it out of your Bible because you're having a hard time with it. Yeah. Make it the center point of interest. Yeah. It's interesting how verse 3... So usually when I think of honor, I think of something that someone does that's brave or courageous or, you know, worthy of this, this honor. But keeping away from strife is an honor for a man. So in this case, it's not doing something that is an honorable action. You know, not quarreling, not fighting. And that is what brings honor to a man. It's just yeah. kind of interesting. In, in scripture, or in Proverbs, there's a lot of things like, don't start fights, don't speak out of your, don't speak too quickly, you know, like yeah. don't say inflammatory things. Like there's a lot of don'ts that lead to positive results. And so, a lot of the times it's our own words <laughs> yeah. and our own actions that get in the way of us doing something correctly. Well, you know, it's like, uh, it's the manly thing that I got to stand up to you. And fight. But the honorable thing is to give in. Yeah. You know, and the world doesn't see those two as separate. The manly thing is the honorable thing. Stand up. Shake your fist. Threaten somebody. Show your strength. Yeah. Any fool can start a fight. <laughs> but not many of them can back down. That's right. Anything else you want to pull out of these eight verses, or should we move on? No, why don't you read a few more? How about I read to verse 20? Okay. Who can say, I have cleansed my heart, I am pure from my sin? Differing weights and differing measures, both of them are abominable to the Lord. It is by his deeds that a lad distinguishes himself, if his conduct is pure and right. The, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. Do not love sleep, or you will become poor. Open your eyes, and you will be satisfied with food. Bad, bad, says the buyer, but when he goes his way, then he boasts. There is gold and an abundance of jewels, but the lips of a knowledge but the lips of knowledge are a more precious thing. Take his garment when he becomes surety for a stranger, and for foreigners hold him in pledge. Bread obtained by falsehood is sweet to a man but afterward his mouth will be filled with gravel. Prepare plans by consolation, and make war by wise guidance. He who goes about a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore do not associate with a gossip. <laughs> he who curses his father or his mother, his lamp will go out in time of darkness. I have in my Bible, in uh, Proverbs 20, verse 9, I have that one marked. Who can say I've made my heart pure and made my heart clean? Who can say that? That I am pure from my sin. I mean, the Apostle John warned us, if you say you don't have any sin, you're making God a liar. You're a liar. You're making God a liar, too. That's not something you want to be doing. So there's this interesting, at least a couple of interesting things that seem to uh, 
seem to come out to me. Uh, we haven't read it yet, but verse 23 says the same thing as verse 10. Differing weights and differing measures are abominable to the Lord. 23 says, in my Bible anyway, are an abomination to the Lord. And we also see in verse 14, bad bed, says the buyer, but then he goes his way and then he boasts. So there's kind of like at least three different passages here I see about dealing correctly with making deals and purchasing and trading. So obviously everybody was in charge of having their own measurement system because it wasn't like paper money today that we have where a dollar bill is worth a dollar, but you'd measure out how much gold or something and trade them. Yeah, did they go with meters or I mean uh, ounces? Or grams? <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure. It's probably some. You know, weird if you had a stone that was this big around, uh, and you combined it with that one, that's how much wheat you would get for a couple of pennies. Right. And so, having differing measurements or differing weights was something that was even talked about in the law where God very specifically said, hey, don't keep two different don't ways and measures. People. Yeah, don't cheat people. And then in verse 14, we kind of see this bad bad as a buyer, and then he goes away. And when he goes away, he boasts, and we kind of think, what does that mean? Well, he's in the marketplace, and he's like, oh, this isn't any good, this isn't any good. Give it to me for a deal. And then he goes away, and he boasts about what a great deal he got yeah. because he cheated the guy out of a, a good product, you know? And so... <laughs> you know, don't don't be like that guy who swindles, who devalues someone's property. Haggles. Yeah, on purpose, beyond what it should be. Yeah. And then goes away and boasts about it. Well, I knew a businessman who is now dead, but I knew a businessman who would say to a salesman, what's your best price? What's the best you can do for me? And the salesman will do his work and figure it and tell him, this is the best I can do. Well, no, we're not going to be able to do business. So the salesman then, in a fit of panic, would cut the price. And this businessman would say, well, I thought you already gave me your best price. So are you like lying to me again? Mm -hmm. It didn't turn out well. You know, just what can you do? And if the best you can do it is not the best I can find, that's the way it works. Yeah. I mean, nobody likes to be cheated or taken advantage of. Yeah, definitely not. And Proverbs 20 is shying us away from doing that. Yeah. I really like how 15 says that there's gold and an abundance of jewels which have historically and still today been the most precious things yeah the most valuable things in the world but Solomon says the lips of knowledge are more a more precious thing which is kind of like this story that keeps being told over and over again different cultures different times different even in movies where it's kind of like this this knowledge and wisdom ends up being the most valuable thing because it's true you know being able to live at peace with people 
and to live at peace with God and to be in right standing with Him and to be able to navigate the world in in an intelligent way is much better off than being someone who's filthy rich but doesn't have any peace and doesn't have any any friends and isn't right with God and has all these other problems but sure has a lot of money yeah wealth is such a an interesting thing because we think we all want it and then the wealthiest people in the world say they wish they didn't have it <laughs> yeah yeah but you don't really ever hear that with faith or wisdom no you hear I've people, got too much knowledge <laughs> I have too much peace in my life or yeah, I'm too comforted in this situation, or I have too much hope for the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no one ever says anything like that. I can't stand it. <laughs> I'm so happy. Yeah. Well, uh, verse 13, do not love sleep, lest you come to poverty. We Open heard that. your eyes and you will be satisfied with bread. Yeah. On our first week of Proverbs 6, we saw that same message. Don't yes. be like a sluggard who's... Sluggard. You're going to end up like... Your poverty will be like a vagabond or an yeah. armed man who breaks mm-hmm. into your house. That's right. Get up and do something. Get up and do something. You know, and today I think it, you could say, do not love entertainment. Like ah, social media, Net- yeah, Netflix, or maybe games. you should start passing that on. <laughs> the preacher who hated media, yeah, the millennial who hates social media. Well, you know, the the getting up and doing something, I think is is a valid point. When Moses was leading Israel out of Egypt. And they hit the first main barrier, the Red Sea. And the Egyptians were bearing down on them. The people were crying out to the Lord. I imagine they were. And God said, this is a loose paraphrase. God said to Moses, what are you doing crying out to me? Lift up your hands and lead them in forward. So. The time for praying was over. The time for doing was present. Get up and get doing it. Yeah. There's kind of this uh, huge emphasis put on work in the Bible. In the New Testament, Old Testament, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs. If you don't work, you don't eat. Yeah. And then when you are working, do it honorably. and Do it as if you're working for the Lord. You know, this work ethic which is a hard thing to to master it's working hard is hard (laughs) that's why it's called hard the physical labor well it might not be physical but yeah but just staying concentrated staying on task getting things done being motivated and doing it on time is a hard thing to do yeah if it was easy, everybody would do it. Yeah, you're right. So, how far did we get? We got to 20. You want to read 21 to 30? Sure. An inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be a blessing at the end. 
Do not say, I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. Diverse weights are an abomination to the Lord and dishonest scales are not good. A man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his own way? It is a snare for a man to devote rationally something as holy and afterward to reconsider his vow. Mm. A wise king sifts out the wicked and brings the threshing wheel over them. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of the heart. Mercy and truth preserve the king, and by loving kindness he upholds his throne. The glory of young men is their strength, and the splendor of an old man is their gray head. Glad we're not on television. <laughs> Blows that hurt cleanse away evil, as do stripes the inner depths of the heart. Man, right when you said it is a trap, verse 25, it is a trap for a man to say rashly, it is holy, and afterwards the vow make iniquity. There's that whole story in Judges. Judges, right? Where, oh, probably. I mean, I'm answering before I know what the story Where he is. says, the first thing that comes out of my house, I will sacrifice yeah. to the Lord. And it says, daughter. What is that story? And then he uh, is sad about that. Judges 11.31. that story. Japhath made a vow to the Lord, if indeed you will deliver the Ammonites into my hands, then whatever comes out of the door of my house to greet me on my triumph return, triumphant return from the Ammonites will belong to the Lord, and I will offer it as a burnt offering. And then he fights the Ammonites, and he wins, and he comes back, and his daughter comes out to meet him. Don't be hasty. Yeah. And uh, I was actually reading in Mark earlier today where... Uh, Jesus is rebuking the, the Pharisees and he says and it's about this whole thing about they ask him they're trying to trick him with Caesar's coin yeah. like hey is should we pay taxes like give to Caesar what Caesar give to God what is God and then he goes on and he says you know you ignore the weightier things of the law you 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 know, it says to honor your father and mother, but then you allow a son to say that everything he has belongs to the Lord, and therefore he's free from his obligation, his obligation to give anything to his mother or father because it's vowed to the Lord, you know? And that's not what God wants. That's just trying to find a loophole. In these passages where I uh, see the word king mentioned, I like to apply as leadership in our yeah. modern day. You know, a, a wise leader instead of king, a wise leader would find out the wicked and, you know, get rid of them. Or a wise king preserves truth and loyalty, you know, and that's going to be what brings him through, you know. Well, I don't know what the other proverb is, but it says if the king believes a lie or believes lies, 
all the servants will be liars. Mm. If you let it in, it'll flood. Yeah. It's like one little crack in a, yeah. in a dam. You know, it opens wide and then everything crumbles. That's right. You know, uh, gray hair is a hard thing to get. <clears throat> and uh, even more so in, when this was written, when our lifespans were shorter. <clears throat> Usually people who live to be old were seen as <clears throat> being able to make wise choices in their life Ooh. and live. I see what you're getting at. <clears throat> Proverbs 16:31 says, a gray head is a crown of glory. It is found in the way of righteousness. It's one of my favorite verses to say to my dad. He started going gray in his 30s, so. Yeah. Well, it can happen. Although I say he has about half a crown's worth of hair left. <laughs> he got a solar panel, does he? I love you, Dad. <laughs> and 22, do not say I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will save you. From, I'm thinking the two things, or more than one thing, save you from the need to repent for the sin that you've committed in recompensing evil. Save you from the kind of heart that says, I'm going to take it into my own hands. Yeah. Because that's not a good... That's that good. You probably are going to end up doing something you regret. Yeah. You end up getting yourself in worse trouble. And I remember when I was a whole lot younger, there was something I was wanting somebody to pay for, I remember. I don't remember the situation or the circumstances, but it was very serious. And I just, I wanted to crush the air right out of them. And this came to my mind. God will repay. I don't have to get even. Then I, the thought came to me. I remember I was crossing some railroad tracks when this thought came to me. He can do a better job of it than I can. So let him do it. If I take revenge, I'm letting the guy off the hook. Yeah. And then there's also the thought of like the parable of the the servant who is Exactly. Who was given a huge debt relief by his mm -hmm. owner and then by his master and then held a small price to pay for his brother and yeah. made him pay it back and God's not too fond of that. Verse twenty four a man's steps are ordained by the Lord. What did yours say? A man's steps are of the Lord. And then it says, How then can a man understand his way? What does yours say? How then can a man understand his own way? You know, I think this is, I think just meant to give us scope about the scale of things and how much we can see and how much we think we know. 
because <clears throat> you asked me five years ago, I, you asked me three years ago, I would have said I didn't want to be a pastor. You asked me one year ago, and I had no idea where I was going to be, you know, and it seems like God was working things out before I even knew I wanted to be a pastor. He was starting to prepare things here at North Kent, you know, and before Michael Sisler moved down to Georgia, you know, God had been preparing things in that place, you know, for a movement there. And we just, there's so, the scale of what God is working out is so much larger, larger than we could possibly understand. Even if we had all the details, we couldn't hold it all in balance. And we're supposed to sit here and try to understand what we're doing when it's just a lot better to follow yeah. and trust that God is leading us in the direction he wants us to. Prayfully follow and faithfully do it. Just kind of, God's got something in the works and don't mess it up, you know? Because <laughs> you're not able to understand it anyway. And sometimes I think that's a good, that's a good lesson to stop worrying about it. And there's a lot of people who just are racked with anxiety about what God wants them to be doing or where they should be going and they work so hard to try to figure it out and they, they stay up. Fret and worry. And they stay up day after day. You know, it's good to pray and consider it and to, to think about it, but at some point, you've done that. You know, you, you have prayed, you have considered, and you're willing to follow, and now all you have to do is wait for that direction. And that's, yeah. that's a hard thing to do. It is. I think the Apostle Paul had those, that kind of difficulty. He was trying to find out where he should go to preach, and he tried a couple of different places, and it, the scripture says that the, the Holy Spirit hindered him. Yeah. Well, isn't preaching the gospel kind of a good thing? Yeah. Why wouldn't God just let him do it? Because that wasn't what God wanted. Yeah. Well, and I think that Paul, and I've used this method on myself in my own life that I think this is what God wants me to do. And so I'm going to look for a spot to do it. Wherever that might And if it's not right, God will stop me. Now, that theory and that practice is a little hard on the ego, on your forehead from running into things and stopping but if you've got, I had this deal with God, if you don't want me to do it, stop. Yeah. Stop me. Well, I think that's what Paul was doing. Until God gave him clear direction through a vision, a dream. And Paul didn't question it, didn't run around to the psychologists and find out if such a thing would be so. <laughs> he... Uh, Pretty much one ahead. What do you think verse 27 means? The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the innermost parts of his being. I think it's like your conscience. There's that verse that says only the Holy Spirit can can search God. You know, like this idea of like it's only 
that's only the spirit of God that knows God's depths, you know. And I think it's kind of maybe the same with us, you know, like it's that this word spirit is also the word for breath. Like I think it's ruach here, the spirit and breath. I think it's this idea of God's power in us or God's God's life force that that drives us is searches us and knows us like God really truly does know us what do you think well our conscience and Peter uses the word pseudodesis for conscience it's translated conscience in uh, first Peter and that word means a co-perception you understand things the way that God understands and you know when you you got a bit you get a bad conscience that's because it's telling you you did something you shouldn't have done and that's the lamp there of the Lord inside of us it's searching the inner depths of my heart here's a very similar passage in first first Corinthians 2:11 okay for who among men knows the thoughts of man except his own spirit within him so too no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Yes, and keep going. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has given freely to us. So what we can understand. Yes, very good. A guilty conscience is a good thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Like verse 30 says, blows that hurt cleanse away evil. <laughs> and strokes reach the innermost part. Yep. Parts. Down deep. I like this idea of, um, in verse 30, kind of this implication of God's not working on our surface level. You know, he's not really interested in our, our physical appearance or even our physical health. You know, it seems more like there's a spiritual thing, this deeper this deeper thing that God is trying to work through and trying to fix, you know, the innermost parts of us, the parts that maybe even are a little hidden to ourselves. You know, oh, yeah, these, that we turn a blind eye to. Yeah. It's the deep things, the things that are hard to change that. I mean, a plastic surgeon can change your face, <laughs> you know, it's, but who can change the heart of man? It's a much more difficult thing. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as, a, as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which are, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Yeah, blows are good, and there's proverbs that say the the blows of a friend are faithful. Yeah, it hurts, 
You know, I'm I'm getting confused on the way that that's used. It it hurts. When you think you're going along straight and narrow, and then you get blindsided. Somebody says, "Hey, you know what? You've got egg on your face." Mm -hmm. Whoa! And then you were just preaching to a big congregation, and you had egg on your face. Well, that makes you feel bad. Would you have rather they told you before you went to speak or directly after? Definitely before. Yeah. You know, the friend will tell you before, risking their friendship with you to help you out. You can't hold it against them, that's for sure. I mean, you've seen parents just out in the world shopping, doing whatever, where they just are letting their kids do whatever they want, you know? Grabbing things, running around, screaming, yeah. stealing, whatever. Maybe even encouraging some of it. And you look at them and you're like, do you really care about your kid? You know, do, they, do you care about their future? Do you care about what kind of person they're going to be? And then you look at a, someone who disciplines their child and you are appreciative that they have taken that into their hands to, to take upon the actions of that kid onto their own. And God does the same with us, you know. If he didn't discipline us, if he didn't point out our faults or the things that are wrong, he would be unloving, really. And it's that discipline that he gives us that drives us towards a more righteous and holy life and, yeah. and makes us grow. It's, it's like... Doing the hard things with your children is like giving them braces to help them stand up and also serve as armor or protection. And that as they get older, they become to de depend on that more and more. And their character is better mm -hmm. because of it. Yep. You can't see it really at the beginning unless you're wise enough to understand what the outcome will be. But it is a good thing to do to discipline children, to train them in the way they ought to go. And God does the same thing with us in righteousness. Yep. That's right. Loyalty and truth preserves the king, and he upholds his throne by righteousness. I think uh, searching for truth and looking for the way God wants us to go is, is the right thing to do. And the wise thing to do. The wise thing, yeah. If you do that, you might end up with your own head of gray hair someday. <laughs> and then you'll have your own crown. So is there anything else that you feel like we need to, to draw out of Proverbs 20? Well, let me take a quick gander again. I think the one thing I want to mention is verse 19. Just want to say it again. He who goes about as a slander reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with a gossip. Yep. Just kind of a good rule of thumb. Stay That's away right. from the people. Well, who yeah, are they might say nice things to your face. But somebody had said, you know, if people are talking to you about other people, they're going to be talking about you to other people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no there's no security in a gossip. Nope. No. No no trustworthiness. Well, nothing. 
Well, there's another proverb too, talking about tail bearers that separate very friends. You know, in the, in the justice-minded America of today, well, if there was, if this individual was hiding something, that ain't good either. So you got to tell the friend what his friend is hiding so that they can make up their mind. Hmm. Well, if you think that's the case, what you need to do is go to the person that you want to gossip about and tell them to tell their friend. Yeah. Well, but they won't tell the whole story. They'll leave out some of the juicy facts. You can't control the world. But you can control you. That's right. And what you say and what you do. Well, I think we definitely walked through some uh, good points here in Proverbs 20. Do we have another proverb to hit on this month? Yep, we'll be doing 27 next week. 27? Yeah. Oh, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so be looking forward to that and uh, tune in next Thursday for uh, Proverbs 27 to hear about that. So if you're really, if you listen to this in time, you can even read through it before you listen and then you'll know what we're talking about. Do not boast about tomorrow. Uh-oh. That's the first verse of 27. Never mind, we're not doing it. Or we will if the Lord wills. How about that? Yeah. If the Lord is willing, we will... We will do it if the Lord it. allows us to. And on that note... Uh, Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Breakfast Theology. I would like to encourage you guys uh, to email us at breakfasttheology at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, um, criticism, or criticism. And we will uh, address it here on the show, and that will be a fun way to get some interaction. Yes. We do take criticism. We do. We take it better together than we do apart. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for listening. Until next time, I'm Josiah Kane. Chuck Jones, goodbye. Goodbye.